2 Corinthians 1, 1 to 14, please. Thank you. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to the church of God in Corinth, together with all the saints throughout Achaia, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. For just as the sufferings of Christ flow over into our lives, so also through Christ our comfort overflows. If we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. And our hope for you is firm, because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, so also you share in our comfort. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about the hardships we suffered in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired even of life. Indeed, in our hearts, we felt the sentence of death. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God, who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us. On him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us, as you help us by your prayers. Then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favor granted us in answer to the prayers of many. Now this is our boast. Our conscience testifies that we have conducted ourselves in the world, and especially in our relations with you, in the holiness and sincerity that are from God. We have done so not according to worldly wisdom, but according to God's grace. For we do not write to you anything you cannot read or understand. And I hope that, as you have understood us in, our, in part, you will come to understand fully that you can boast of us just as we will boast of you in the day of the Lord Jesus. Fantastic. Thank you so much. I shall try, try using this. I don't know if you noticed that opening greeting, in particular with what's been going on here this evening. I found myself kind of wanting to adapt it. So Paul wrote it to the church in Corinth, but I kind of want to say Sue, that's me, an apostle, if I'm allowed to say that, of Christ Jesus by the will of God and Ben, our brother, to the church of God here at Sarum Hill, together with all the holy people throughout Basingstoke, grace and peace from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, the Ben I mentioned was, is Ben Coutzer, who I work alongside. And a really special evening like this. I don't know if, I don't think, I've lost Gary now. Where's Gary gone? Where is he? Oh, he's right over there. <laughs> I don't think you worked on the timing to get us here, along with um, Chris and Naya being, being welcomed into our church. Um, but it's, it's a fantastic reminder of how one church which you and we at St. Leonard's are a part of, work together, we seek to work together in unity for the blessing of the whole city. And we are the body of Christ, aren't we, with many and varied parts. And so um, Ben and I have talked about this. He has given me permission to absolutely say grace and peace to you our, um, from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, all the way from Oakley with Wooten. And... 
may this be a strengthening of a thread across the churches of Basingstoke and around to be a blessing. It really is a pleasure to be here. Wow, what a time of worship and prayer before. I remember, I didn't go to Toronto, but boy, do I remember those times. And the other side of it is it's a kind of joy and a challenge when um, the brief is whatever you'd like to speak on. Thanks, Gary, for that. <laughs> I think you did. I think you did. Well, I'm hoping so now. <laughs> but with this thought in mind and this sense that we are all one body, each called to serve God according to God's particular purpose for our lives, I found myself compelled to speak on this passage and then just hearing what God was speaking earlier about going deeper. What I'm going to speak about this evening has been the way that God has drawn me deeper into his life. Before we dive directly into Paul's words, I'd like you to humour me for a while and um, imagine yourself as a stick of rock. I think probably you all know what these things are from my childhood. I see that we now use them as wedding favours. They're appalling for our teeth, that kind of rock of hard sugar but with a message that reads all the way through wherever you break the rock. And the iconic phrase is probably Blackpool Rock. Don't know if you're rude about Basingstoke, but it doesn't have quite the same resonances, does it? Love Basingstoke, but it's not like Blackpool. But to take it out of its summer holiday context, um, I saw on your website, which I have to say, I don't know who's responsible for it, but it is both beautiful and welcoming. What a fabulous website. But you run Alpha. And if you snapped Nikki Gumbel anywhere, the developer, the champion of Alpha, I reckon you would simply get the words, only Jesus. Every preach, every interview, what difference has Jesus made in your life? Only Jesus. So I wonder for you if you're aware of a word or words which if push came to shove are written right throughout your being. If you had to proclaim one truth about the God you've encountered or perhaps the God you are still searching for in some ways this evening, what words or phrases would you see or like to see inscribed in your soul? There might be many. I will not have Nicky nailed. He's probably got a whole bunch of rocks, as all we have, as we all have to hold on to. But what comes to mind now? What would you want to declare that one unshakable thing that you know about God or you long to know about God. One of my enduring phrases written right through my stick of rock, my very being is comforted to comfort. And this passage from Corinthians has been key for the whole of my Christian journey. But having said that, I realised coming to prepare this, I've never actually spoken directly on it. I've never preached on this passage before. And it's more like the heartbeat, the life-giving background noise to my life. And perhaps not surprisingly, it contains the essence of how God first met with me and rescued me. In my teenage years, I got caught up in a, an unpleasant quasi-Christian cult. But as I prayed with them a prayer of commitment, God broke right in and brought the comfort I had been seeking through the rather um, yeah, unhealthy relationships within that cult. And my very first experience of the reality of the presence of God was very physical. 
It was of being having like a huge blanket of love wrapped around me. Amen. Deep, deep comfort. And it came with the wisdom to get out and find a safe community to join. So I ended up in the Church of England and I have stayed there. But I then found myself drawn as a teenager to the vulnerable, from children with profound educational needs to kids who always ended up on the edge. And then with a very simple theology, which I certainly hadn't um, got any consciousness about, well, God, if you can so radically change my life through your comfort, surely you're going to do it for others. And life, I would say, from then till now, has been like a dialogue, a kind of dance between ministry and being ministered to. And may it continue until the day I see Christ face to face. So um, directly before I got ordained, I worked in a secular charity um, alongside young people aged 15 to 23 who had fallen right off the edges of society into the care system, homelessness, the criminal justice system, mental health services, etc. And it was a real test in that secular charity of how profoundly true these words of Paul's are, that God, he is the God of all comfort. He really does comfort in all our troubles. So we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from Christ. I had a title there, I had a job description there, but seriously, it was not the main thing that equipped me to be alongside those young people. And I am acutely aware, as I'm sure you are, how very much we live in a world that is desperate for comfort. And that awareness has escalated in recent years, hasn't it? The um, global ag agonies of the effects of COVID, the war in the Ukraine to things much closer to home. And looking around you, you have probably got particular issues, particular peoples that you particularly care about that God has laid on your hearts. And for me, um, the focus tends to kind of boomerang always back to the care system and the ever increasing numbers of children who are taken into the care system. One child, you maybe know this, one child every 15 minutes into the care system, sometimes for a short time, but many effectively forever. <coughs> and no doubt, I know myself quite well, I care because I was once a baby in need of an adoptive home. And it's been into the heart of that life-shaping experience that God has reached in and intervened and brought his comfort to me. Nearly 20 years ago in 2003, these words were published in the journal, sounds very important, doesn't it? The Journal of the Association of Christian Counselors. And they rang so true as I read them back then. Some predict that church growth in the future will depend on our response to emotionally wounded and traumatised people. This is the next generation of Christian discipleship. The casualties of post-modernity. We don't even use that word anymore, do we? Things have changed so quickly. These people will demand of the church community a patience and pastoral care that far outstrips our capacity at this present time. May we have the courage and compassion to prepare for this challenge and to change our attitudes if this is necessary.
very warm in here. <laughs> so that was right back in 2003. But I think it has a prophetic edge, those words, as we look around in 2022. That phrase, emotionally wounded and traumatised people, it has such a resonance today, doesn't it? That word trauma, I can remember, was not around in 2003. And we now have the trauma-informed policing. We have trauma-informed schooling. Trauma is all around us. And then when I was in the strange but wonderful discernment process for ordination, I was given a lecture to read by the then Archbishop of Canterbury, Rowan Williams. This was in 2004, just a few months after that piece was written. He wrote this, the church is first of all a kind of space cleared by God through Jesus in which people may become what God made them to be, God's sons and God's daughters. It's a place we are invited to enter, the place occupied by Christ who is himself the climate and the atmosphere of a renewed universe. They're kind of extraordinary. Rowan's words are amazing, but I think you get the gist of them. And it is, I suspect, it's why we're all here this evening, isn't it? To enter together into the presence of God, where Christ is the very air that we breathe, where we meet with him, worship him. We long to be transformed, to be healed, to be made holy by him, and to be reminded of that vision of a renewed universe, of what it looks like when his kingdom comes. And it's where we bring all our longings for redemption, for the healing of our wounded world. When we get overwhelmed by what we see in the newspapers, by what we hear around us, we can come into that space, actually know that we abide in that space wherever we are. And the church is there to, as it were, increase, ever increase that space. Welcome, Holy Spirit. Welcome, Lord Jesus. And so for me, Paul's words to that Corinthian church speak hope and life directly into this very place, into our own places of sufferings and troubles and into Christ's sufferings in which we share. So firstly, Paul addresses our own sufferings and troubles and by extension, the sufferings of the world. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles, so we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. Our own places of trouble are the very places to which God, in his compassion, sends through Jesus, the Comforter, the Holy Spirit. But then out of those same places flow life-giving streams of living water which refresh and bring healing and comfort to others. Isn't that a glorious kingdom economy? Isn't that good news? Whatever our troubles, Paul says all our troubles. Paul had all sorts of troubles in his life from shipwrecks to persecution and then also he talks about his troubles in um, Romans 7, his wrestling with sin, with temptation, lots of troubles and I would kind of bring in that, you know, persistent areas of sin, deep areas of pain, open wounds from the past, addictions, unresolved conflicts, whatever you might name as a trouble in your life right now, 
Your heavenly Father, full of compassion, is the God of all comfort, who comes to all our troubles. And he's the one who says to us all, nobody misses out from this, that these things do not disqualify you from joining in with the body of Christ to bring healing to his wounded world. And in fact, conversely, in his hands, if we're simply open to receiving the comfort he sends through his Holy Spirit, then these things about which we might feel shame or despair or simply weariness, these are redeemed by Jesus, our very qualifications, and they are qualifications our world sorely needs. We're so fortunate, aren't we? We live in a country that has open, free access to healing therapies of so many kinds, populated by people of compassion and skill. We need them all, and we give thanks to God for each and every one called to these vocations. And I know there will be those of you here this evening who are steeped in those healing works in the world. But firstly, we know, I'm sure Di knows as much as I do and many of us, there are not enough of these resources to go around to meet the growing needs. But more importantly, I would say, isn't binding up the brokenhearted, setting the captives free, bringing beauty for ashes, hope for despair, comforting those who mourn, restoring places long devastated, isn't this the mission and the ministry of the body of Christ? And I'm sure this isn't news to any of you. And there are so many ways we are all engaged in doing this. But I wonder if one primary way of doing this we can be in danger of neglecting is this simple but really challenging one that Paul offers us, uh, offers us. be comforted to comfort. Start right where we are, not with our abilities and talents, our gifts and skills, our energies, though these too are part of our life with God and are given to him. But we can also start with our troubles. I mentioned um, my own, just briefly, my own adoption story. It has been a long and slow journey to a measure of healing which I thought, and I was actually really willing to accept, I might only experience when I see Christ face to face. And the frustration of the slowness of that healing journey at times has felt excruciating. Why not now, Lord? Come on. But as I look back, the minute eye of what the compassionate Father cares about has staggered me. The kind of, yes, of course, you care about the big things, but seriously, this tiny event that's come to mind, you remember, you saw it, and you offer your comfort even there. In God's hands, nothing is wasted. Everything, absolutely everything, can be redeemed. And out of our own experience of that redemption, that healing, we become ever more safe spaces for others to encounter the presence of God. There is nothing like exposing our own hurts, our pain, our inadequacies, in short, all our troubles, to the healing comfort of the Spirit, to shatter judgmentalism, to bring us to our knees in humility, to incorporate into us 
to incorporate us, sorry, into that space for others that Rowan talked about. So others aren't, aren't um, hindered by our clumsiness, by our wearing out of compassion, which I know that I can be in danger of doing unless I keep on remembering that this is what Christ has done for me and it's what he's given me to give to others so that we do not hinder anyone from encountering the compassion of God. And as I look back now at the frustration that I felt at the slowness of the healing journey, I don't know if any of you are feeling that this evening, I now feel deep gratitude. A rapid, instant healing of everything would have left me ill-equipped, untaught, and I think more than that, unaware of the astonishing depth and breadth and height and width of the love of God in Christ Jesus. Isn't that what we want to go deeper into? Isn't that what we long for? The Dutch Catholic priest Henri Nouwen captured an ancient phrase, wounded healer, as the dynamic for the type of Christian ministry and leadership needed in our world today. And I believe that with all my heart. I became aware of it, I don't know when, anyway, back 2003 when I read that quote, it was like, oh my goodness, yes. And I see no reason to change that conviction now, that call to be wounded healers. And we're each invited to become that person by looking inwards firstly and receiving this offer of comfort for our own troubles. But then, of course, following the perfect model of the wounded healer that we see in Jesus, looking outwards to share in Christ's sufferings and through him to share in the sufferings of the world. So firstly, Paul has addressed our need for comfort, but secondly, and more briefly, he directs our thoughts to Christ's sufferings. He writes in his letter against the Corinthians, for just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort also abounds in Christ, through Christ. As the beginning of uh, John's Gospel so beautifully puts it here in the message translation, the word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighbourhood. And this flesh and blood Christ suffered. To name just a few of the sufferings in this earthly life, the shame of illegitimacy. Life as a refugee misunderstood, most of us are, by our parents, but also deeply misunderstood by his friends and his followers. Tempted in every way, afflicted with grief, with denial, with betrayal. There are so many ways our saviour identifies deeply with our own needs for comfort. And then, of course, tortured, crucified and abandoned by the one with whom he had been in perfect, loving community throughout eternity. But now, our suffering saviour is resurrected and raised to God's right hand, where, as the writer of the Hebrews tells us, Christ Jesus ever lives to intercede for us. And Paul says to the Romans, he was raised to life, is at the right hand of God, he is interceding for us. And Jesus intercedes from the perspective of sharing in our sufferings, both from his time as flesh and blood with us, but also throughout eternity as he views the brokenness of the world with God the Father. 
And we get called, don't we? We get called to join in with this crucial work of intercession, of praying from the depths of our being. If you want to go deep, ask God for a call to the ministry of intercession. You will go deep, I promise you. We need to dare to keep our hearts soft and open as Jesus does throughout eternity to the pains of the world. And it's a costly, it's a precious, and it's an often hidden ministry. And we pray, don't we, both through the groans of the Holy Spirit within us and through the words the Spirit inspires us to speak out and agree on together. The um, theologian Tom Wright, in his book on the Lord's Prayer, offers this suggestion. True Christian spirituality is this. It's the rhythm of standing in the presence of the pain of the world and kneeling in the presence of the creator of the world, of bringing these two things together in the name of Jesus and by the victory of the cross. And in that place, as much as we need the comfort of the Holy Spirit for our sakes, we pray for the comfort of the world for Christ's sake. I thank God that our churches are massively involved in bringing really practical comfort in so many ways to Basingstoke, to our community, so many needful and meaningful ways. But I want to honour any who are called to intercessory prayer. It is the powerhouse of social transformation. And those whose hearts regularly get broken by the brokenness of the world around, we need to honour them and value them. And it is an honour, as Tom Wright puts it, to stand in the pain of the world, to kneel before God and to intercede in the name of and alongside our Saviour, whoever lives to intercede for us. I've got two final brief thoughts from this letter to the Corinthians. The first is from verses 8 to 9. Paul reflects on the sufferings he and his companions endured. Even he says it was so bad, we despaired of life, and we felt we had received a sentence of death. Then he says, but this happened. So we might not rely on ourselves on God. I'm sorry, we might not rely on ourselves but on God. I don't want to get that one right. Who raises the dead. And then the second from verse 12. This is our boast, our conscience testifies. We have conducted ourselves in the world and especially in relations to you with integrity and godly sincerity. We have done so, relying not on worldly wisdom, but on God's grace. Daring to honestly face our own need for comfort and compassionately face the world's need for comfort takes us on quite a journey. And it's a journey where we are inevitably taken to the end of ourselves and we can do nothing other than rely completely on God. That's not a bad thing, is it? I don't think Paul was moaning. I think he was exulting probably a little bit. It's a journey as well where our characters are tested. And so we learn day by day to conduct ourselves with integrity. Don't we need churches for integrity? We're having problems looking out on the politicians and some of what's going on there. Churches of integrity. 
And it's a journey where we recognise our need for God's grace above any worldly wisdom. So back to those sticks of rock. I wonder what we would love to see written right through the sticks of rock which represent the whole of Christ's body in Basingstoke. What would we love people to say? They pick up the stick of rock, break it. What do they see? Reliant on God, reliant on grace, a people of integrity, full of compassion, spacious places, full of the presence of God, a people of comfort in the face of all suffering. It's what we had a glimpse of earlier here, and I suspect you do every time you meet like this to worship. This space that you create here, it's not just for us Christians, is it? It is for the world out there. I think Chris and Naomi are going to lead us in a little while of worship, but I'd love to encourage you in terms of, I don't quite know how you do ministry here, so I'm going to talk a little bit and then I don't know who I hand over, but anyway. We can do it do it however we like it okay fantastic that's good thank you just pouring over this praying over it it's all God isn't it I mean as Andy was talking about we need to fall into God's arms can I tell a funny story quickly yeah. taking us out of serious as long as it embarrasses as long as it no well no it probably embarrasses me more <laughs> Toronto blessing every time I just cried and I was like God I don't want to cry again so that John Arnott came to Hello Trinity Brompton and he did this thing where he walks through and prays for people. And I'm going, okay, Lord, I'm not going to cry this time. This is going to be the time I get joy and laughter. Praise the guy in front of me who was huge, fell on top of me like a tree toppling, <laughs> cracked my face and I cried. <laughs> so, so I'd say, whatever God is doing, do not resist it, because God will get, you know, that's awful, isn't it? But anyway, God cares. And actually he did a fantastic work in me because I cried again, as it were. Are there places that you are aware of where actually you are still longing for that comfort? It might be something from years ago, something more recently. Our painstaking God little by little, bit by bit. And if you're frustrated going, why not yet, Lord? He's good. He loves us. He will do it. If you are someone who already intercedes, bless you. May God keep on stirring that gift in you if you need more of that stirring tonight. Or if maybe there's a little inkling where you're thinking, oh, I felt these things. When I read the papers, my heart just longs to pray. Welcome the Spirit to do that work in you this evening. If you need that gift of grace that Paul did because he despaired of life itself, ask for that, the gift of grace in the midst of your sufferings. And then character. Aren't there always things where you think, oh Lord, really? Getting grumpy again? might sound little, but God, the world, actually the world needs people of integrity where there won't be that disappointment again of, oh, and that person. Not that we put people on pedestals, but that we grow in integrity. And again, we can ask God for that. 
So shall I pray? And then we'll see what happens. Is that how one does things here? Yeah. Would you like to stand? Heavenly Father, this day, the day when we do um, remember fatherhood and we've sung that wonderful song, you are a good, good father, would you again today pour out your Holy Spirit? Thank you that one of the names of your spirit is the comforter. And my sense is that that is what you are offering us this evening in whatever way. Would you pour out your spirit of comfort? Pour out your spirit who guides us into all truth.